Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartman. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in youth ministry for over 17 years and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we're ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Quick shout out to A-Lob for the intro music. You can find him on Spotify. Search A-L-O-B. Thank you, A-Lob. All right, guys. We are going to be diving into I, you know, what I would consider a relatively tough topic on in ministry, and it's the prophetic nature of what it is that we do. So how do we speak into people's lives with what's going on um, in areas that they need healing or they need reparation, but also maintain, I don't know, the relationship with them and or navigate that, even if they're the people that are paying our salaries or the people that are donating to our ministry. But before that, Chris, you said you had a story. Yeah, and I think it kind of relates because I found myself in a situation earlier this week. Uh, we were at a restaurant, Matt, you were there, and uh, <laughs> the waitress kind of was lacking in uh, some of the proficiencies needed. I, at one point, just because I was feeling kind of in a good mood or whatever, got up and got the pitcher of water because I was out of water, and I filled up my water, and I was about to fill up someone else's when another server came over and said, sir, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and then he does it. Like, it's the end of the world for me to get my own water, right? <laughs> yep. um, but then moments later, uh, the waitress came back to the table with a dessert. This is compliment of um, the manager. I am so sorry. And she's literally crying. Now, the thing is, is I had found myself in a situation where I was a little bit leading with some insecurity. Uh, you, you were there. Uh, some other people were there. And my, my jokes and things like that had gone a little bit off. You were talking last <laughs> week about silliness. And I was maybe way too silly on that and I felt like I you know at the end I was like is this situation a fruit of that reality would I have gotten up and uh, and gotten that pitcher of water had I not been like hey guys it doesn't matter to me I'll just go get my own pitcher and I was trying to show off or or whatever because the thing is is we started out that uh encounter with the waitress sharing that we were ministers that we were representatives of christ in one way or the other and it ended with her in tears and i just felt i just felt rotten and so i'm driving back it was about an hour and a half drive to get back home and i'm just i'm praying for her and i'm like i hope she still has her job update she still has her job yeah we were actually really worried because she ghosted you know about halfway through or towards the end of the meal she was gone and we were like, oh, no, like, does she actually still have her job or did we like somehow play a role in her getting fired? And I was once again burdened like I am not a good vessel of God. Mm, I am yeah. not prophetic. I cannot share the gospel because I tried to in just such a simple situation with a stranger who's literally there to serve us. And I missed I missed it, you know. Yeah. And so I'm praying and on my drive home, like the Lord is just like telling me because I was looking in the rear view. And just regretting my actions, regretting my actions. And I know there's a lot of ministers out there that struggle with self-loathing. We'll have a great youth night or a great ministry event, and all of a sudden it's the one thing that went wrong. And you define your whole night or your whole ministry by that one thing that went wrong. And the Lord just kind of spoke to me. He said, love what's in front of you. Yeah. And so that's been my theme for the week since then, love what's in front of you. So I actually, I called you and I apologized for my conduct at the meeting and different pieces like that. But it just was like, what is in front of me? And when I get got home, instead of being like, oh yeah, this horrible situation happened and I was ho-hum for the rest of the day, like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, yep, right? Yep, yep. Instead, I saw my kids yeah, and I was able yeah. to love what's in front of me. And it's kind of that shift of mentality, like 
God tells us to shake the dust. If for some reason a ministry event doesn't go well or you get rejected because of something, shake the dust from your feet and move on to the next town. And I think he's telling us to love what's in front of us. In the midst of like a mid-semester, like we most, most of us find ourselves right now, um, it, can, it can be hard to keep our eyes above the tasks at hand. But love what's in front of you. That'd be my, my, my spiritual insight to share with the listeners this week. Yeah, I like that. And I think it actually ties really well into today's topic because, you know, very often we can, when we're faced with something that strikes at our insecurities, we tend to fall back into whatever, I don't know, modes of covering that up that we've gotten used to. We fall back into those habits instead of being the people that God called us to be. And for me, it was a seventh grade sense of humor because I had always protected myself with humor when I was bullied in seventh grade all the way through high school and things like that. My sense of humor is what was my escape. And uh, and it ended up being, I mean, there were some punchlines even after the waitress was in tears that I threw out there that were just not Christian. They were uncharitable. Yeah. 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 Well, and and for me and I, you and I talked about this, you know, on Monday, Chris, it was, you know, I have my own insecurities with regards to you know, my leadership. And I, I know God's called me to be a leader and specifically in the way that he's called me to lead a blaze. But ever so often, like, cause I was a, I was a dork in middle school. I was picked on. I was, I was a nobody. And, and it was one of those things that every time that, that something even hints at that, it, uh, it, it pushes me back into that mode. And then I retreat into myself and I don't do what I need to do. I'm not bold. I'm not confident. I lose all of that, you know, and there was a, there was a time and I mentioned this to you, Chris, there was a time in the meeting on Monday where you stood up and did exactly what needed to be done as a leader. And, and I saw that. And instead of me, I don't even know what happened, but in me, I was like, oh crap, that should have been me. I should have been the one that did that. I'm a bad leader. I'm an awful leader. And I did just, I, for the rest of the day, I, I had this loss of confidence in who I was meant to be. And God has called us, God has called me to be bold and courageous. And, and for whatever happened, I, I lost that. And God's mm-hmm. called you to be kind and charitable. And for whatever reason, you lost that, you know, right. that day, you know. And so this is, you know, the prophetic nature of our jobs as ministry leaders. We need to make sure that we're doing what we can, like doing everything we can to keep that and not lose that. Well, because the message is God's message. It's not yeah. our message. Yep. And, and all of a sudden, I'm not worthy because I'm broken or I'm insecure because um, I, I, I feel like I failed in this area. And yet God still calls us and says, you know what? Moses, if you feel like you can't speak that good, here's Aaron. Now yep. go. And he yep. still calls us to go forth and be prophets in this modern age. And that's extremely hard when we recognize our own brokenness more than anyone else. And I would, I would argue God knows us better than anyone, but he defines us in love where we define ourselves a lot of times by our faults and failings. And that is the difference. It's like we feel like we are our brokenness or our sinfulness or our failings. And God still says, here is the content of the gospel that can change the course of humanity. I want you to take it forward. I want you to move it forward as a ministry leader, as a friend, as a uh, customer at a restaurant. And every one of us, every one of us ministry leaders, we find ourselves having to look people in the eye and confront them with that uneasy subject of their sinful actions and attitudes. And, and no one likes to do that. And I know, I think there are different people resist that call for different reasons. For me, 
I resist that call because I want everyone around me to like me. Mm-hmm. I have this, I have this need for everyone to like me. Now there's, there's a certain aspect of that where there's a strength, you know, I, it's pretty easy for me to make friends and pretty easy for me to, to get people on my side and to like me. But it's when that becomes the deepest desire of my heart rather than speaking the truth that, that it's a fault. And I, my guess is different leaders have different things that keep them from doing that. Some, some, some of them maybe, you know, a parishioner who's the, the, the biggest donor to the church. And you know that there's an area of their life that you have to call them out on and say, hey, I really need you to stop doing this. You know, or not, I need you, but you, like this is, this is hurting your relationship with God or whatever. But you have that fear of the financial stability of the parish. And so you feel like you can't do that. There's this threshold of conflict that we have, and people are afraid of conflict. But yet, the gospel loves, the gospel transforms, but the way that it transforms is it con- confronts areas of sin or brokenness in the life of the person. Yep. And it confronts it with love. It's not like, oh, it confronts and says, I'm going to destroy you to build you back up again. No, I'm going to transform you and call you higher. Um, it's, it's, it's never pushing someone down. It's always helping someone up. Um, but that's hard in our society, and I see it in social media, and it's so hard to navigate. How do we go ahead, as somebody say, and love the sinner and hate the sin? Yeah. Um, without uh, when the when tolerance becomes the highest goal or the highest form of engagement, and tolerance implies that there's a disagreement, right? You don't tolerate a 75-degree sunny day. You tolerate the rain or a bad weather day. You tolerate something that's not acceptable, and then you want to work towards change and transformation. And that requires a prophetic voice, and that requires us to go ahead and, and enter into a conversation where the gospel makes demands on people. Yeah. This is not this is not a flower and puppy dog Jesus. This is a cross and a and a you know, a hammer and nails Jesus. And that's important because love matters, you matter, and love changes people. Yeah. It really does. And it changes people because love makes demands. Now how do we go ahead and do that in a way where people receive that instead of run away from that? And that's the challenge in regards to uh, navigating the gospel in the modern era. Yeah, because all of us we we know that every single person falls short myself included, you know, just because I see someone else's sin or sinful behavior or attitude, it doesn't mean I don't have them myself. And so whenever we go to, I don't know, to, to call someone out to be the prophet that we're called to be, we, we absolutely keep that in mind. And maybe we share that first. Maybe there, that's a part of it, but you have to have a relationship with the person to be able to do that. I was you know, and maybe this goes into some other things that we've talked about on the on the podcast. But you know, the pastor has a duty or a responsibility to have those conversations with his staff. But I even think the staff members have the duty and responsibility to each other to have those conversations. How do you do that? How do you navigate that? It's it's got to be through relationship with them. If there's an area where you where you see that the person could use some growth, if you don't know them. You know, maybe that's a lot harder to be prophetic in in their life or to speak into their life. And a prophetic voice requires a prophetic lifestyle. Mm. So the prophets, if you look back in Jesus' time, John the Baptist was prophetic. Dude was wearing camel hair and eating grasshoppers. Yep. Right? Like he did not look like the culture that he was engaging. And so when we are talking about it, I want to think about this in two ways. Translating the gospel and also making sure that the gospel is still transcending the culture. 
So if we're translating the gospel and all of a sudden we're like, well, yeah, you know, the gospel says this, but if you want to go ahead and live together before you get married, as most Christian couples do before they get married now, then that's okay. And all of a sudden we're, we're watering down the gospel to try and make it more pa- palatable to the people. And that's not a prophetic voice. The gospel nope. still needs to be transcending. Now we can speak the gospel into the modern culture in modern ways, and we can go ahead and translate it. But if it still does not hold on to its transcending nature, then we have lost the gospel. We've watered down the gospel, and it should uh, be something that, that 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 creates a little bit of tension, that, that calls them forward instead of just affirms where they're at. And Jesus loves you where you're at. That is like a given. But he calls you to a greater, not just a greater version of yourself, but into a greater relationship, into greater love, into a greater adventure than what, what you're living right now. Amen. I yeah, I really wish that I was better at memorizing scripture. This is one of the things I love about, you know, so our Protestant brothers and sisters is, uh, but the ideas are, are all there. So the, the scripture that's coming to mind as we're talking about this is the whole responsibility for the other person. And if, if your brother sins and you say nothing, then his blood is on your hands. If your brother sins and you tell him and he continues to sin, it's on their hands. You know, so that, that responsibility, that burden to say something is on us, you know, to, to speak up and say something. And so that, that's the tension, you know, as the leaders, like, man, we've got to, we've got to do something. What keeps us from doing that? And then the insecurity would be, uh, before you remove the splinter in your brother's eye, remove the plank from your eye first. Yep. And so it's like, like, well, which one do I do? Yeah, you can be paralyzed. (laughs) You can literally be paralyzed by your own brokenness and weakness. And yet God still asks that we are broken instruments in his worthy hands. And that's how he has always changed the world. Moses was a murderer. St. Paul was a murderer. St. Peter was a doofus. A lot of times he just was like, (laughs) I mean, face palm Jesus. Like that was because of St. Peter. You know what I mean? If Jesus had any gray hairs, it was due to St. Peter, you know? And yet he was the one that he became the rock. And so we need to to look beyond our own brokenness and allow the message to be spoken, even though, I mean, the message has to transcend us as well. Like if it's just translated through my own brokenness, then it's going to be a broken message. But if it transcends beyond, then it calls people up into that greater love. So this, I mean, this is calling us to risk, like in a real way. I mean, we we potentially risk losing volunteers. We potentially risk looking judgmental. We we risk losing our jobs, you know, in some instances, right? Sure. Yeah, we, we take personal risk anytime we, we make ourselves vulnerable. Um, but sharing a gospel or a gospel, the gospel in a real way is going to require more vulnerability on our part because we have to acknowledge that this message is not mine, but it's the Lord's. Yeah. And and, th- and that's what a prophet does. But the second piece is, is then we also have to be willing to go ahead and say, this message is also calling you to not remain where you are at. And that, that action item can sometimes be specific. Like sometimes the prophets would actually name people's specific sins. Other times they would call out an entire community. Poor Jonah. You know what I mean? He was terrified of the prophetic voice that God had given him. Terrified. Well, yeah. And, and, and I think we need to, I don't know, embrace that prophetic nature of who we are a little bit more and be okay with, with having to deal with some of those, those issues, some of those struggles. But we should equip ourselves to be the best at delivering that news. And I, 
I don't want to put qualifiers on everything, but like something that we use here at Ablaze to help with these conversations is there's a book and a video out called Crucial Conversations. Uh-huh. You know, how to have these conversations when you need to have them. And that's and then, a secular resource, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Crucial Accountability is a, is a kind of a sister book to the same thing. And so if you find yourself in a situation where you, you know you have to say something, either, you know, you need to equip yourself to be able to have those conversations to with the greatest potential of bearing fruit. In regards to the crucial conversations, how does one prepare themselves to be able to enter into a situation? Because, I mean, this sounds like every week. You know, I stand up in front of a group of teens every single week, and I'm trying to get them on board almost— because I see, I see evangelization as really uh, one part relationship, one part marketing, and one part, part uh, the prophetic voice. Well, I, I, for me, I feel like the, the tension with regards to being prophetic isn't so much in being prophetic to those that we're serving. Um, and maybe it is. Maybe there's a part of that as well. I don't, this may sound messed up, but I don't have a hard time getting up in front of teens and telling them, you guys treat each other like crap, you need to stop, uh-huh. right? It's it's when I'm talking to my peers, you know, or my coworkers, mm-hmm. or even my boss. That's when the the prophetic nature within me tends to resist, you know, that. Sure. Um, and so, and maybe that's not true. Maybe if you're in RCIA, I don't know why I always go to RCIA, but in RCIA, you're, you're there and you want these people to fall in love with the church that you're in love with. And so you may temper your voice a little bit. You may, you may have this tendency to temper the teachings of the church right. so that they will find it more palatable to become a member. And, and that's not prophetic. And so that's maybe, maybe there is, you know, a little bit of both, but I find the biggest trouble in peers and in coworkers, not so much those, not so much young people or even for me in RCIA. So the message itself, the prophetic message, isn't always just a fire and brimstone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that the prophetic message could be the things that you have not forgiven yourself for, Christ has already forgiven you for, or Christ has access and love. You find yourself unworthy of love. That is the thing that needs to change first. You're struggling yeah. with all these other sins, all these other areas, but you need to find yourself worthy of love. Otherwise, you're going to go back to the secondary, the imitations of love first. And so we have to recognize that we're not just talking about going in there and steamrolling people with the gospel, hitting them over the head with the Bible or scripture verses that we can't name because, <laughs> oops. Because <laughs> we haven't um, memorized them. Right, 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 right. But uh, but the reality is, is the gospel is very accessible and it needs to be shared. There is a, uh, a methodology in regards to sharing it. And then once they go ahead and taste the sweetness of it, then they're going to be ready for, for the meat and potatoes, you know. And uh, there, there's, a, there's a scripture verse that backs this up. When you were a child, you ate like a child, and then you grew, and now you're eating more solid foods. And the gospel makes demands as that relationship takes root. And I think that that's important, too. We can't just lead with, don't, uh, don't do this, don't do that, when we know that all the teens are struggling with it. I was at a, uh, the, uh, one of the safe environment things that they have for, for teens. Um, it's excellent. It's, it's, yeah. it's in our diocese and has a number. But there was a moment where uh, one of the questions said, name the lie in this situation. And it says, perpetrators want you to believe that they're a good person. What's the truth? 
And the answer they were looking for is that perpetrators aren't good people. Mm. And I said, time out. Wait. Time out. Yeah. And I said, this goes against Christian anthropology. Mm. Every person, every sinner is a good person. Perpetrators want you to believe that they have good intentions, but the truth is they don't have good intentions. And that's different than saying that they're not a good person because they're created by God. Because I was seeing the teens sitting there, statistically 80% of them would be have viewed pornography or something like that in the last seven days, right? Yeah. And so I see, see us sitting there and saying that all of a sudden these people are horrible, but what I'm afraid they're hearing from a I'm human not anthropology a good is I'm I'm not a good person. Yeah. I am I'm damned where I stand. And that yeah. is not true. Yeah. Um and so some of these messages are actually very simple and they're undoing or untwisting some of the lies that culture believes and even that uh, some of the different movements and stuff have painted Christianity as bigots or as unloving or as unwelcoming. And the reality is, is that is not the case. If you struggle with same-sex attraction or, uh, you know, you vote for a pro-choice candidate for other good reasons that are, you know, wholesome and things like that, like that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're a bad person. Right. All of us, all all of us are on a journey. All of us have different causes and charisms that God has put in us. Now, how do we go ahead and orientate all those to building the kingdom of God? And that's, that's where the gospel makes demands because if you've been given a gift and you're not putting it towards the kingdom of God, that is where something needs to change. That is where conflict needs to come in. And that's the first thing is your gift. Share it. So Chris, where do you find it hardest for you to be prophetic? In my family of origin. Ah, uh, okay. You see what I'm saying? And I'm yeah. not talking about my own family. As as the leader of my household, my wife and my uh, my kids, I, I can be that person. And my wife supports me and even sometimes just is like, okay, dad's going to tell you about this. I'm like, I am? You know what I mean? Like, she's <laughs> yeah. excellent. She's now so good. Now I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now I am. Um, but in regards to my family of origin, I just went and uh, visited my brother. He had his 40th birthday. It was a great visit. It was just me that went up there. I didn't bring the wife and the kids or anything like that. But uh, But I found that after about 12 hours at my house, I was that same kid that comes home from high school looking for some cheese to, you know, just sit on the couch and watch a show. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm, mm. I, you know, I'm, I'm more than half my life past that point. Wow. And yet that's kind of the mode that I slip into. And that's the mode that my parents relate to me in. So it's very hard for me to go ahead and have that prophetic voice to my parents. Yeah, yeah, I can absolutely see that. All right. So we go, we're going to ask you guys that, you know, on Facebook and. Uh, and in our Facebook group, you know, where do you find it the hardest to be prophetic and, and why? Like, what is, what is it that keeps you from doing that? And then I want to hear the flip side of it as well. Where is it the most easiest and why? Your, your English is good. I am so struggling. <laughs> I has I has problem. Um, so, yeah, where, where do you find it uh, easy to to be prophetic and what what elements are present to make that a reality? And then maybe we can reflect on a later show or just kind of a, on the on the Facebook page. Like, how do we go ahead and make those elements present in the heart areas as well? Yeah. So um, yeah. where do be we that need, voice. You have that ability. And where do we need to pray for that boldness, you know, for uh, an outpouring of the Spirit and to give us the courage to overcome that? Because we are not the message. We are the yeah. messenger. Yep. Absolutely. 
So, Chris, I was thinking about our typical outro, and uh, and one of the things I thought was kind of funny, and maybe it's not that funny, maybe it's just one of those normal things that people do, um, but we're, we're telling people how to find us, you know, and we're talking about Stitcher, Google Play, and all that stuff. It's like, they're already listening to us on one of those things, <laughs> so, so why are we telling them about that? But you can find us on Stitcher, Google Play, hey, even on iTunes Podcasts. Imagine that. I would just say, come find us in our Facebook group. Facebook groups slash MLA podcasts like that yeah. is where the engagement beyond uh, your earbuds is yeah. really going to take place. Uh, you can also email us at uh, MLA at ablazeyouth.org or visit the website MLAPodcast.com. I really want to build up our, our Twitter Twitter audience. I'm not sure the, the Twitter is, uh, I don't know. I, that's something that I've been, we're, there's a lot of, there are a lot of ministry leaders out there that don't hear about us, don't know about us. And, uh, and I think that audience could be a great way to do that. So you guys make sure and, and share this with your friends. Um, get other ministry leaders involved in this group. Make sure and invite them to the Facebook, Facebook group too. Awesome. And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for another ministry leader and be a boldly, a boldly, my English. <laughs> be bold and a prophetic voice in the life of another ministry leader. Amen. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you.